Indeed, time for the Global uh, Threat Report. Global Threat Solutions, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 100% military veteran-owned security investigations firm. Global headquarters are right here in Suffolk County. Offices as well in the city, Miami, L.A., Frankfurt, and uh, Mumbai as well. A CEO, the president, the captain, Ken Bombay, with his 21 years of law enforcement intelligence experience, also serving as a military intelligence officer uh, in the Middle East. Uh, for peace of mind on certain times, contact Global Threat Solutions today. Go to the website, globalthreatsolutions.com. You make a phone call at uh, area code 646-946-6649 from the West Coast. And we appreciate the early hour at around 5.30 or so. We bring in the captain. Sir, how are you? Doing well, Jay. Thanks for having me on. It's about 5.30 out here now. <laughs> Indeed. And we appreciate the early hour for you, my friend. Um Another shooting, uh, school shooting, and it, from all accounts, Captain, it could have been a lot worse with the amount of ammunition uh, that might have been involved here. My goodness. Uh, very tough times. You know, we've seen this movie, unfortunately, play out way too often. Not a movie in real time, though. You know, hands up, kids are getting out of a building, enforcement in and around, and here we go again. Yep. It's too many times, and and it's sad, Jay, that we actually, that's how we're evaluating these now. You know, if you have just a few people that are killed, you're actually seeing that as, you know, uh, thank God, it could have been so much worse. Um, and it could have. There was a lot of ammunition. This person was obviously hell-bent on causing destruction. Very fortunately, the police reacted very efficiently. They came in and put them down quickly. But still a tragedy. Uh, a tragedy that uh, more lives uh, could have uh, could have been lost. Were there any signs here, uh, Captain? Any signs? You know, we we always uh, uh, go back to these uh, manifestos and everything else that these individuals have in play here. Was that a kind of a similar situation out here? Yeah, you know, it's the same thing every time, Jay. You know, it's it's uh, after these incidents take place, these horrific incidents. Everybody then points to their social media and previous incidents that would show that they they were a potential threat for an incident like this. In this case, this person, they found information. There was a note that he had left talking about his life and how miserable he was. He had no friends or family and a girlfriend, yeah. and even that he wanted to be the next active shooter. So, you know, you always see it after the fact. And the problem is, you know, it's very easy to say we should have seen that, but there's so many, you know, hundreds of millions of pages out there no one's someone has to report this really for it to be highlighted by law enforcement and then and then you have to have the laws in place to take action to to prevent them possibly from doing anything mental health is a big part of these these people all have underlying issues and oftentimes they have there was an interventions previously where these people might have even been committed and then and then you know you can't hold them forever so there needs to be an improvement in the in identifying these people before these incidents take place, and then taking action. I think that's where the vulnerability is. Yeah, and uh, you saw uh, some stark differences as far as what happened in, in St. Louis. I hate to compare what happened in Uvalde, uh, cap six months ago, give or take. Uh, but officers arrived uh, at this school just, I think it was four minutes after the call. took them eight minutes to find this guy. Uh, and after a gun battle of around two minutes, uh, this guy was down and out. And, uh, you know, a 19-year-old graduated from the school last year. Had no prior criminal history either, by the way. Uh, and, you know, 
and that was it. High-capacity magazines and everything else, but you like the way this department uh, handled it, especially uh, from the account of the police commissioner, Michael Sack, there. Yeah, exactly. A stark difference in the way this was handled. And I, I, I'm sure you saw recently they, they actually um, terminated the first Texas Department of Public Safety officer for basically failing to act, not going in when he should have gone in, not you know protecting his own life, so life over the children that were in that school that day. They actually terminated somebody, which is the first time. And, you know, you look at the difference in the way that that was handled in this one. This is a department here uh, in St. Louis, I mean, that obviously this was a part of their protocol. They had training to handle situations like this. And when the time came, they reacted, responded, and saved a lot of lives. It's a tragedy, but as we both stated, this could have been much, much worse. This was very quickly remedied by the police in that situation, it's about as, as quick as you could hope for. Question the captain with us, uh, Kim Bombay's the Global Threat Report. Let's head to Ukraine. Now you have House members, liberal ones, by the way, plenty, calling on the president to kind of shift uh, course, change gears here, Cap, uh, in his uh, Ukraine strategy. Maybe pursue some sort and we talked about this the other day, uh, maybe pursue some sort of direct diplomacy with Russia to, to bring this uh, conflict uh, to an end. I know a letter was sent to Joe Biden, I think it was Monday, where these Democrats, a group of them, praising his efforts at supporting Ukraine while avoiding direct U.S. involvement on the ground, but it ain't working right now. As far as the approach, they are suggesting kind of a more forceful attempt at bringing this conflict to an end through diplomacy. A very critical moment, as we said right now, because, you know, you got the threat of nuclear weapons, Uh, As far as Putin is concerned, he has stated this. A lot of people feel he is not bluffing. Many of the experts, Zelensky thinks he's not bluffing. Uh, But, uh, you know, maybe diplomacy, maybe some sort of, uh, as a mediator, which you and I have talked about for months. Um, But a critical moment right now. And, you know, you look at Russia increasingly targeting civilian infrastructure, uh, we have talked about, you know, a particular focus on cutting power supplies to many out there as far as citizens of Ukraine. It's certainly ahead of winter, and we know it's it's kind of a devastating time right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. You know, first to touch on that letter, they had, you know, 30 uh, liberal Democrats had signed on to this letter and supported it initially, and now everything everything is revolves right now around the midterms and they saw this letter as a really hurting the democrats leading up to the midterms because it shows you know it's taking away it's drawing from what they say is their resolute support for ukraine and uh you know i think it's kind of crazy Trey. you know we've spoken so long about this we shouldn't we should not be letting up right now we should be supporting ukraine with everything we could give them all the support as far as uh, uh funding and weapons training but at the same time we should also have a robust diplomatic effort here right now there's a lot at stake we're sitting here talking about the potential um use of a, a tactical nuclear weapon in as a reality so i mean how could how could we not want there to be increased diplomatic efforts especially since we've really seen none we've seen none what are we trying to prove here of course you never you always want to negotiate from a position of strength don't let up for one second on Russia because they're, they're on the run, you know, at least conventionally. 
But at the same time, we should be trying to find a diplomatic solution. There's people dying every day. So, uh, you know, it just shows it's partisan politics. Just because of the midterms, that's why that letter became an issue. And as far as this uh, tactical nuke, it's a real consideration. You know, we're, we're seeing that uh, this po- potential uh, Putin saying that he believes Ukraine's going to be using a dirty bomb. And we've seen this before with the Russian false flag operations, you know, where they're trying to justify their use of an extreme action right now. And, and as much as we see this retreat of Russians, there's evidence of this in the Kyrgyzstan region and other parts of Ukraine. It's great to say that, well, they're, they're fleeing because Ukraine has been so effective conventionally and, and they're routing Russia. But at the same time, could that be Putin saying, get out of that area because I'm about to use a dirty bomb? And it's a real concern right now. It's not, I, I know we saw President Biden warning him, don't do this. You know, uh, you, you'll, you'll regret this. Um, but I think that right now there's nobody who's not taking it seriously. It has all the earmarks of Putin trying to justify some action coming up with completely fit, false information about Ukraine using a dirty bomb. Yep. And all this, you know, in the background you have, Xi Jinping, uh, you know, going for term number three, um, and, you know, the involvement and everything else, the speculation, uh, you know, uh, that is another aspect of this whole thing. You know, you couple uh, how China is going about their business, uh, that with Iran. Uh, We talked about these deadly drones out there. We talked about North Korea firing off missiles. Uh, It's not a good time right now as far as peace and tranquility is concerned. No, and, you know, one, one thing, Jay, is that, you know, when we had our, when our economy just a few years ago was so strong and our energy, I use the term energy independence, but simply meaning that we were exporting more than importing and fuel costs were so low, that, is, that in itself is a weapon for us. That is strength. And, I mean, look at the Cold War. But that's a big reason the Cold War ended the way it did is because we they could not keep up. They could not keep up with our, our economy. They could not keep up with the spending, the military spending, and they crumbled eventually. And right now, it's, all, it's like we, this is so um, self-inflicted. We could still be in that position. So much of what we've done has hurt our economy, has hurt our energy independence. We've made decisions to do that, you know, and, and I put us in a position of, uh, increased weakness that we don't need to be in right now with so many threats that we're facing right now in China, Iran, North Korea. Everybody smells blood in the water because they see what's happening in Ukraine. They saw what happened in Afghanistan and the way we handled that. They're stepping up their military spending. And, you know, there's reports and studies coming out. We're not, you know, the, the doctrine of the U.S. military has always, always been able to fight two major conflicts at once. And there's reports coming out now saying that they're not sure we could fight one, Jay, one major conflict. And so with all the bickering and partisan nonsense we're talking about in the midterms, it's amazing to me that really, and and that that's not even on the list of concerns for people right now. This is the most, this is the most dangerous I've ever seen it in, in my lifetime um, as far as uh, national security and international security. And it's not even a top topic right now. Now, I totally agree with crime and the economy being at the top. That is what impacts people's lives every single day. They should be at the top. 
But I think these issues are, are very important right now. We literally have somebody in Eastern Europe threatening us for nuclear weapons. We have uh, China so more aggressive than they've been in decades, and they're, they're targeting Taiwan. I think that that needs to be of increased importance to Americans right now. We need to be turning on the war machine right now. We need to be increasing spending and getting our military to where it needs to be. Our army can't even recruit enough people. It's a huge issue that's not getting enough attention right now, Jay. Look at what the United States has contributed to Ukraine cap over $16 billion, and that's why you know you have to somehow think about the verbal ways of solving this conflict. Thus, Joe Biden becomes a very important component uh, in all of this. And, you know, you and I have spoken regarding the threat of nuclear weaponry and everything else, and my biggest fear is Ukraine is not backing down. You know, I mean, they have even made recent inroads into that northern portion of the Donbass region, which we've all learned about, uh, putting yet another Russian supply line right in their crosshairs uh, as Russia digs in and they continue to hit a nuclear threat here. Because to me, as long as you're on the, the offense, and right now Ukraine's on the offense, they've got the ball. They are moving down this field, okay, without any repercussions. The more that is happening, in my estimation, that's where the mindset of Putin comes into play, saying, you know what, they're backing us into a corner, there's no way out. They continue to be supplied by the U.S. of A., loads of weaponry and everything. They're not backing down, they're not running out uh, from an economic standpoint, being fortified here. I have no other way. I have no other way. This is what Putin could be thinking, no other way. But to do the dastardly act of, of releasing a nuclear weapon. And that's really what you think here, you know, from an objective yeah. standpoint. But, you know, how else can you think otherwise? Yeah, it's true, Jay. You know, as much as I, I totally approve of Ukraine doing whatever they have to do right now to defend their country. I mean, they've been invaded. Um, you do sit and watch. It's a very precarious and dangerous situation right now because as they're they're not letting up for one second. They continue to push. This counteroffensive is strong in the south and the north. And you know it's what it's, we're watching from the sidelines and saying this has put Putin in a really bad position where he might make a mistake. He might make uh, a decision that will impact the whole region and be and the world. And, and the U.S. is going to have to respond. So, it, you know, my position has been strong since the very beginning on this. He, but at the same time, of course, we should have diplomatic efforts, for, for the, especially for the parties not intimately and directly involved in this conflict. That should be our job. You know, we're supposed to be the leader of the free world. How are we not leading strong diplomatic efforts right now to try and bring this thing to a halt? People are dying every day, and we're getting closer and closer to what could be a catastrophic incident in Eastern Europe. We'd be negligent if we weren't working towards a diplomatic effort. You know, it's funny how they, they take that stance, and, and it's mostly concerned about the midterms and how they'll appear. You know, I, I fought in a war. Nobody wants to see this. It could be really, really bad if this escalates right now, and, and we will have to react. And, and hopefully, you know, they have a, a sound strategy to do that. It's not going to instantly be a, a, if they use a tactical nuke, a nuclear response. That could be something that immediately escalates it might be conventional i hope we have a strong plan and we're not just talking to actually do something hit targets within inside of russia it has to happen but unfortunately it's something we have to consider right now and it comes down to leadership really does 
you know, all this uh, rhetoric and everything else coming out of Biden's mouth, you know, uh, you know, they'll be sorry, you know, no, enough, enough. You need to summon, first of all, you have to go over there. You have to summon a meeting, ASAP, and that between Zelensky and Putin, and somehow figure this out. Because the world awaits, I'll tell you that much. And this is where it falls on Biden's shoulders right now. Uh, listen, I mean, do you have any faith in any type of accomplishment? You don't. You really don't. I mean, when he's going off to Delaware beaches on the weekend eating ice cream cones, I'm sorry. I don't want to make light of something of this nature, but you know what? You've, you've got to be a little bit more staunch in your approach. And this is where the leader of the free world, so so is its goal, what we are. At least I like to think we are. I know we used to be. But I got to tell you, this is where the commander-in-chief of the United States of America needs to, you know, to, to, to hold the line here, you know? You don't get exactly. a good feeling about it, Cap. You don't get a really good feeling nope. about that aspect. No, it's like we're sitting and doing nothing, and there should be, there used to be gravitas. You know, if the U.S. president says, I want to hold a summit, or I'm going to get my European partners, and we want to meet. We want to meet to talk about this, get all the parties involved in this. That meant something. You know, that everybody was listening when that happened. Now, it's like people won't even take his phone calls, and that's dangerous. That's not just partisan politics. That's dangerous when when you have world leaders that don't take your leader seriously, especially someone who's considered the, the leader of the free world. And we're seeing the repercussions of that right now. So true. Can you imagine the president of the United States calling and says, you know, I'll call him back. Tell Joe I'll call him back. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? You, can you imagine that? It's true. Can you imagine that happening to Ronald Reagan? Yeah, well, you wouldn't have it. And listen, I hate to make those types of comparisons, but man, I'll tell you. Again, I'm not making light of it. But really, it's true. I mean, my goodness. Uh, the Captain Global Threat uh, Solutions, ladies and gentlemen. 